are listening to Spine Chillers and Serial Killers, and I'm Rebecca. And I'm Emma. (laughs) Sorry, I laughed and ruined it. (laughs) It's fine. It's fine. Keep going. Right. Well, we decided to make a podcast because we were talking about something very random on the internet. Cats. No, we were talking about cats. Cats aren't random. (laughs) No, cats are anything but... Well, we've always had a interest in the paranormal and the the gory and the horribleness of true crime. So, I think we both go together very well to make a podcast together. Pretty standard interests, I say. Yeah, completely yeah. normal. So who doesn't like scary stories? Yes, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> who doesn't like to scare themselves to death and give them themselves anxiety? <laughs> Me. I mean, everybody does this, surely. <laughs> it's completely normal. Yeah, yes. So I'll so. be doing the um, spooky stuff. So anything ghostly or anything to do with aliens or anything a bit weird, really. Anything supernatural, paranormal, that's my side of the podcast. And then, Becky, you'll be yeah, doing and the... Then- I'm sorry, I'll be doing everything that's true crime. So anything, serial killers, murderers, near misses as well, that'll be me. Be mostly serial killers and I'll be trying to find the ones that you haven't heard on other podcasts like ours because it's uh, it's always nice to hear new stuff, even though it's not nice. And the fact that someone's been murdered for us to hear it. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So... So near- There's going to be a lot of nervous laughing. <laughs> well, it's our first one, you know. Um, yes. But uh, to be fair, I think the nervous laughter with me is just going to be pretty standard. <laughs> <laughs> I'm squeezing my hands together so much. <laughs> oh, I'm doing the same thing. Oh, yeah, we probably should mention that we're not actually together, like, at the same place. Yeah, or married. We're not married either. We're definitely not married. <laughs> <laughs> not to each other anyway <laughs> married but not to each other and also not in the same place because yes. of covid so this is all yes uh being done remotely so yes if the audio is not great that's why it's not our fault we're trying to stick to the rules and when I imagine all this has calmed down and we're both vaccinated and good to go we'll meet up and do it face to face I hope and, so, anyway. Uh, with booze. Yeah, d- yeah, yeah, with booze. Speaking of booze, uh, what are you having to drink? Have you got a drink? Oh, I'm being really lame at the minute because I'm on a diet, so I've literally got a very tall glass <laughs> of fizzy water. Oh, man. <laughs> what have you oh, got? Oh, no, that's so sad. <laughs> well, I, I've got to choose. Oh. I had to choose between a biscuit or booze, and I chose a biscuit. Oh, I'd probably choose a few more biscuits as well. Biscuits are nice. But then you regret it then when you can't have the booze later. Now we're talking about so. booze, I'm like, <laughs> oh, I kind of want some booze. But what have you got? I think, I think you should go and get some. Um, I've got some rosé, but the rosé is called gris. It's called grey, so it's grey. <laughs> okay, well, that, that's, that's its name, gris. Yeah, yeah, it's called Gris, and then there's a um, like a picture of a pink flamingo, so it's grey flamingo. <laughs> I was like, that's the like laziest. It's out of a box. It's <laughs> the laziest wine name I've ever heard. Usually, it's something like Chateau de la 
fancy word. De la Great Flamingo. <laughs> and yours is just yeah. green. The picture of a flamingo. Yeah. So is the rosé pink? Oh dear. Is the actual wine pink? Yeah, the rosé is pink. Yeah, it's pink. It's not grey. And there's no flamingo in it. So it, it's just rosé. So, so the name and is just a little bit just weird. It's just weird. Yeah. Uh, we haven't actually talked about this, but who's going first? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Do you want to go first? I don't mind. I don't mind. Shall we change every week? Yeah. Yeah. We'll take turns. I'll just see how it goes. Something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't mind if you want me to go first, because I'm quite excited about listening to yours, so if I get mine out of the way, then I can relax a bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fine. I don't mind. I don't mind waiting. I'm just like either or. I'm probably going to stutter and get, not forget how to read halfway through. So, oh, absolutely. Go ahead. I'm ready. This, this is guaranteed. <laughs> this is going to be horrendous. I mean, it's our first podcast, so you know, bear with us. Mm-hmm. Yes, it will get better. I will. So, like, like the wine. <laughs> <laughs> the more, yeah, exactly. Better. The more you drink, the more you're going to enjoy it, and the more podcasts you're going to listen to of us, the more you're going to enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, right. So, I thought for my first story, I would talk about. Basically, I saw probably way too young The Exorcist. Have you seen The Exorcist, Becky? Oh, who didn't see that young and was scared so much? Did it scare you? Oh, it scared the shit out of me. I had to sleep on with the light on feet twenty years. It's not long not been too long that I've managed to turn it off at night. <laughs> to, this, yeah. to this day, if I open a bedroom door, I freak myself out thinking, Oh my god, what if what if Reagan sat on the bed and her head spins and looks at me? You know, to to this day, oh. I've got that image in my head. It was the most terrifying film for me. Uh, I mean, I've seen tons and tons of horror films since then, and I can honestly say nothing has terrified me to the to that point to that extent. So, and I reckon yeah. b- being that absolutely uh, terrified from that movie is probably what. Along with a few other bits, but it's probably what gave me the, um, like the bug, you know, the horror bug and the spooky bug and the, yeah, the weird bug. So I thought, you know, (laughs) I'm going to go back to my roots here. I'm going to talk about, I don't know, did you know that, um, The Exorcist was actually based on a true story? I think I heard of it, but I don't know the story behind it. Well, that's good because I'm going to tell you. Or who the person was. <laughs> so, so I've done my best with this research, but the facts and dates and places and stuff seem to vary quite a lot. So, you know, if it's not 100% accurate, don't be mean. I've done my best. So basically, the film was based off a book that was called The Exorcist, and it was written by a guy called William Blatty. I'm just going to check I've got that right. Yes. He wrote the book, The Exorcist. And he got the idea for the book by a newspaper article that was written about the story that I'm going to tell you. So that's how it all came about. And very recently, there's been another book that's just, uh, it's just come out. No, it's not very recently. (laughs) I need to stop thinking that the 90s are recent. They are not. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no. It was what, what, three years ago? (laughs) (laughs) So in 1993, um, another book came out called Possessed. And this, that book is based on 
the story that I'm going to tell you. So. Mm, sounds like my type of book. Yes, I, I'm thinking of trying to find mm-hmm. it and uh, and reading it, but also I like sleeping at night, so I don't know. I'm in two minds. <laughs> okay, All so right, okay. it's the, the story is about a little boy, and um, he's 14, and everywhere that you do the research calls him Roland Doe, so it's not his real name. His identity has been protected by the Catholic Church, so we're going to call him Roland Doe. Roland okay. was born in 1935, and he was an only child. So this meant he, basically, he relied on his parents for his occupation. You know, he didn't have anybody else to play with. He played with his parents, and he had an aunt who he was very close to as well. And that was basically his yeah. company. He was really yeah. close to his Ooh. aunt, who was a spiritualist and quite into trying to contact the dead. And she showed Roland how to use a Ouija board, which is ridiculous. Yeah. Don't... Well, I do kind of think that the Anne is almost like the 1935 version of us, but I wouldn't have shown my nephew what a Ouija board was. (laughs) You just wouldn't, would you? You would not show a child what a Ouija board. But she did, and she showed him how to use it. And then she very suddenly died. And poor Roland oh, was... all right. Yeah, I'm not quite sure what she died of, but she died. Um, all right. Just like, yeah, just like that. <laughs> all right. Oh, bless her. Bless her. <laughs> Carry on. I'm drinking my, drinking my grey. Okay, drinking you my grey. drinking that grey. <laughs> So Roland hmm. was pretty gutted that his aunt had died, obviously, and he started to try and contact his aunt via the Ouija board that she had taught him how to use. I couldn't find oh. any evidence that he ever made contact with his aunt through the Ouija board, but surprise, surprise, weird shit started to happen. Shocker. Uh, I think I think I was waiting for that to happen. I mean, considering the subject of our podcast, yeah. Kind of. I, yeah, that's probably not a surprise. <laughs> Don't play with Ouija boards, kids. They're not toys. No. So after his aunt died and he'd been playing around with Ouija boards, desperate to get, you know, try and get into contact with his dead aunt, st- strange stuff started to happen. And the first thing that started to happen were really weird noises. They started to hear like a weird dripping sound, like a leaky tap, but they couldn't trace it to anywhere. There wasn't actually any taps leaking in the house and bizarrely they pinpointed the leaky noise to his grandma's house um, his grandma's bedroom but because her bedroom was just below the attic they kind of just thought do you know what it's probably a leaky pipe up in the attic so it's nothing to worry about yeah and they also started hearing really weird scratching noises and the weird thing about these scratchy noises is they could hear them they started every night at the same time at 7 p.m and they would continue until midnight and then just stop. And it was every night, like clockwork, 7pm, midnight. Very strange. They located these scratching noises from coming underneath the grandma's bed. And so they just assumed... (laughs) Oh, God, I'd have to move out. (laughs) (laughs) So they got an exterminator out because they thought, it's rodents. 
making all the scratching noises and the exterminators came and they couldn't find any evidence whatsoever that there were rats or mice or anything in the house. So that was that. So it kept happening every night until midnight for about 11 days and then the noise moved from the grandma's ha- uh, grandma's room to Roland's room. Mm. Yeah. Okay. And around this time... Weird, like, proper weird stuff started to happen. Furniture started to move by itself. Objects around the house, like vases or, I don't know, fruit bowls, books. They started flying or kind of floating in the air before falling down. Whenever Roland was around, it was never like... If Roland wasn't about, everything was fine. Roland turns up, shit gets weird. Yeah. The noises start getting more and more intense now, so... Instead of just scratching and the leaky tap sound, it's banging and thumps. And on one occasion, there was a picture of Jesus on the wall and it just started banging and like being moved about and banging against the wall with obviously nobody else touching it. It had to be Jesus, didn't it? You know, you have to have a. Yeah. Jesus banging. (laughs) Couldn't be. Yeah. I I mean. Okay, a picture banging against the wall with nobody around, it's going to be terrifying, whatever. But it wouldn't have been as scary if it was like a picture of a kitten. No. Unless it's an evil cat. Had to be Jesus. Jesus. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) You just know this is going to get horrendous. Yeah, my legs are sort of like crossed and squeezing them together and my my hands as well. It's it's going to go pretty wrong. Yeah. So during all this time... Roland is still trying to contact his aunt through the Ouija board. Nobody has taken the Ouija board off Roland, so he's still using it hours and hours a day. And his mum also starts to think, this is really weird, you know, is it the aunt who's, you know, making all this stuff happen? So one night, her, the mum, Roland, and the grandma are all lying on a bed and they're going to try and contact the ant. I mean, this is a weird family, right? Who who says to their kid, come on, we're going to try and contact your dead ant. Get granny, <laughs> she'll come and help. Right. Call your grandma. Come on, it's Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. So, they're, all, they're there, all three of them lying on the bed, and the mum says, you know, is... Is it you? I haven't got a name because obviously they've all got their identity protected. Let's call her Helen. So, Helen, Helen. is it, is it okay. you that's, you know, creating all this activity? Are you there? And if you are there, could you please bang three times? And sure enough, they hear three very faint little bangs. Ooh. And the mum wants to confirm, so she goes out loud, Helen, if you're there, just to make absolutely positively sure that it is you, could you please knock four times? And they heard very faint, four very faint little knocks. And then Ooh. that scratching noise came back. So they're all three on the bed. Only this time, the scratching noise isn't under the bed. It's in the mattress and they can feel it like moving under them. Like something moving oh. around and scratching in the mattress while they're laying on it. That creeped me out. Oh, imagine that. Oh, oh that's fucking disgusting. <laughs> it makes me, I literally, literally, I want to gag. Like, <laughs> yeah. 
No, I've got oh, tears in my so eyes because it's just so creepy. So the mattress oh. began to shake and then it started to move more mm. violently, violently. So they're all like moving about on the bed. And then the four corners of the sheet, you know, it's like one of those old fashioned tuck in sheets. Mm-hmm. All four corners just kind of came flying out from underneath the mattress. So the sheet is like stiff completely straight and stiff and the mum reaches out to touch it and it flops back down to its normal sheetiness floppy <laughs> sheetiness normal that's my floppy sheet <laughs> I knew I had the image the image was there in my head of yeah. the floppy sheetiness <laughs> and yeah. the stiffness you know like yeah uh, it's, if it was a fitted sheet I'd understand understand because that could easily happen like all of a sudden you're lying in bed and then all and it pops off always that like one on, like, corner like that it's always at my side and i hate touching the mattress it's disgusting your mattress is disgusting <laughs> no touching the- <laughs> no no <laughs> too much information hate- people don't need to know <laughs> no the feet knowing that I'm touching the mattress feels disgusting. I hate I hate touching the mattress. Like like we have certain pillowcases that I don't know what my husband does at night with them, but he somehow takes them off in the night, and then I'll wake up in the morning and he's lying his bare face on the pillow. I'm like, oh, how can you do that? <laughs> and as a feather pillow, so you get like stabbed in the face. But oh no, oh, sorry, and <laughs> you know what I mean. I can't I can't touch. If I'm waking up, if I wake up in the morning, the sheet's off and I'm touching the mattress, I'm like, ooh, I just don't like it. It's like some people can sleep in bed with no duvet cover on the duvet. Mental. Well, that's that's Mental just people. not normal. No. No. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Sorry, I keep instructing you. <laughs> Absolutely keep fine. No, I'm glad we cleared that up. Like, you know. <laughs> well, if we ever sleep together again... You know, that would oh, be fitting the sheets, right? Oh, okay. Well, I don't, yeah. I don't, um, hopefully, I don't have any ghosties following me that are going to pull the sheets out, so we should be good. All right, okay. And that okay. wasn't an invitation if there are any ghosties listening to me right now. Uh-uh. Take it somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. Move out the Just dock. because I'm interested by this stuff, I don't want it to happen to me. I also don't want to get murdered either. <laughs> or, or haunted. <laughs> so, please. Yeah, we're just please putting that out there. Do it someone else. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, the weird bed thing. And after that, strange, strange stuff keeps happening and it's now following him about. So even when he's at school, weird stuff's happening. He's at school in his desk minding his own business and all of a sudden his school desk starts shooting around the room and banging into all the other students' desks. Ooh. I know. He begins to be extremely withdrawn and depressed and he's also extremely tired because he can't sleep because of all these banging and scratching and... Yeah, we can't uh, sit down without a chair, a chair flying across the room. Poor kid. Exactly. So, <laughs> he's like, you know. I just want to fucking sit down without furniture flying away. <laughs> Bless him. <laughs> so, yeah, Roland is having a rough time. One, this one time, he's, 
This is funny, actually, because it's exactly what you just said. He goes to sit in this big armchair that's in his front in his front room, and his family's there. His dad's there, his mum's there, his uncle's there, and he sits in this chair. And then the chair begins to move and shake and actually levitates off the ground and then tips Roland out onto the floor. And his dad and his uncle, who, who have both seen this, are like, what the fuck? So they get in the chair and try to replicate the movement of the chair to kind of prove that Roland's just playing a prank, you know, that he's just been a little shit trying to scare everybody. But they say that that chair was far too heavy for that little boy to be able to move that way. I mean, if the chair really levitated, it doesn't matter how heavy or light it is, nobody can levitate a fucking chair. So that happens. You know, at this point, I'd be seriously creeped out. <laughs> you know, with- well, I think I don't think I would have blamed the boy for a start. I'd be like, get the fuck out of the chair, get the chair, get out of the chair. I wouldn't be like, Let- you're lying, you're lying. I'll prove it. Yeah. Basically. Oh. <laughs> Support family. Mm. Don't know why I just sang that. <laughs> so no. when he could actually sleep, he began sleep talk, something that he never previously did. And the things he was saying were really awful and very much out of character. I tried desperately to find yeah. uh, examples of what he was saying in his sleep, but I couldn't find anything. But it was pretty bad. So not only has this family now got, like, furniture moving and stuff flying around and scratching noises, but they've also got their kid that's saying all these, like, obscenities while he's fast asleep. So, Bless him. <laughs> bless him. Indeed, bless him. Just burn us with that. Oh, what an angel. Fuck, fuck, fuck. Oh, <laughs> really lovely. <laughs> okay, so the family oh, were actually Lutherans, which is a religion. And... They contacted their local pastor, who was called Luther Miles Schultz. So it just so happened that this pastor Schultz was really interested in parapsychology as well. Handy. So he said, Mm. yeah, he asked the mother and Roland to go and spend the night at his house. Because he thought if Roland okay. was making it up and like tricking everybody, then it would be more difficult to do in a different different place than his own familiar setting. This guy thinks Schultz is thinking, "Come to my house, you know, you've never been, and spend the night, and we'll see what the deal is." So, and this this I found this really creepy, but probably not for the not for the spooky reasons. So the pastor says Schultz. Um, the pastor says Roland's going to sleep with him. In one room, and that the mother's going to sleep Ooh. in the guest room. Mm. No, no. Well, oh. the mother says no, yes. No, no. You just want well. Oh, of course she did. The mother says yes. That's did. fine. I think everyone before them. Oh God. Yeah, of course it's fine. Nothing bad ever happens when grown men and young boys are together. Yes. <laughs> Right, moving moving swiftly on. So that's what they do. Um, <laughs> so Schultz is woken up about 3am by a load of noise and when he looks to Roland's bed, he can see that the whole bed is shaking, like moving off the floor, shaking. So he tells Roland to get out of the bed and to go and sit in the chair in the bedroom. Roland does, and he goes to sit in the uh, um, in the chair. And the minute he sits in the chair, the chair starts doing the same thing, rocking and tipping and 
and it lifts and tips Rutland off onto the floor. Now, the weird thing is, the whole time this is happening, Roland doesn't move. It's like he's in some kind of a trance. Oh. Yeah, he doesn't, he's not moving at all, apart from when he gets tipped out on the floor and he kind of snaps out of it. So the pastor, Schultz, says, the best thing is for you to sleep on the floor because, you know, you can't, you can't hurt yourself on the floor. So he sets him up with a load of blankets on the floor. And the next thing he sees, Roland is asleep and he just sees the blankets and Roland gliding across the floor, going under (laughs) one of the beds. So as if someone's pulling the blankets under the bed. So poor Roland ends up completely under one of these twin beds. And then his body starts getting bashed up against the bottom of the bed. So all the springs under the bed. So he's getting violently smashed up and down, up and down against these springs. The pastor panics and pulls him out by his feet. Roland's now covered in scratches and gashes and stuff. And again, all this time that the little boy is getting smashed up against the bed, he doesn't make a peep. He doesn't cry out. He doesn't... No noise whatsoever, like he's in some kind of a, I don't know, hypnotic state almost. So after that night, Schultz says that, you know, I think you need to get in touch with the Catholic Church because Catholics know how to deal with things like this. So at this point, Schultz is basically telling the, the, the parents that he thinks little Roland's possessed. Yeah. So they get in touch with the Catholic (laughs) <laughs> I was just like Ee! yeah <laughs> I know go ahead funnily enough I didn't get that freaked out doing the research for this story but as I'm telling you it's like really giving me the creeps shudder so they get in touch with a catholic priest called Edward Hughes and he attempts an exorcism on Roland at yep. the Georgetown Hospital This goes pretty badly, actually, because Roland manages to get a hand free from his restraints and grabs a bed spring from under the bed, and he manages to break this spring free, and he attacks the priest, and he rips the priest's arm open from shoulder to wrist, and the priest needs over 100 stitches and never actually fully regains um, the full use of his arm. Oh, God. So, yeah. So, after that, that Catholic priest is like... uh, I'm not doing that again. So the boy's then back at home with his family and the mother decides that it might be a good idea to go to St. Louis because she's originally from St. Louis and they have relatives in St. Louis and it, you know, a change of scenery might do Roland some good. And one morning uh, the little boy gets up and he has Lewis scratched into his body so the mum takes it as a sign that it would be the you know the right place to go. So she takes Roland to St. Louis and they go and stay with relatives. Can you can you imagine those relatives though? They're like, "Do you mind if we come and stay with our like demonic son who <laughs> like spends his yeah. nights growling when- and being thrown off the furniture and stabbing people with springs?" Or Damien like. <laughs> yeah. Do you mind? It'd be you know, it'd be nice little family catch up. Uh, fuck yeah. that. Yeah, he's lovely, really. Just don't let him sleep anywhere near you. <laughs> <laughs> so 
the relatives know of some other priests. Um, so they put the family in touch with these different priests. So we've got priest bishop, who then in turn speaks to another priest who's called Bowden. So together, bishop okay. and Bowden visit Roland in the relative's home where they see all the same things. They see the bed shaking and stuff flying. They see the boy is speaking in a very low and guttural voice. He's began to show uh, like really violent reactions to anything like sacred, anything biblical. So they ask permission from the Archbishop to perform an exorcism. So the exorcism took place in a hospital in St. Louis and they get another priest as well um, called Halloran to join them. So there's three of them. Oh, there's actually another one as well. So there's four of them. I think there might be more. There's four of them that they talk about. There might be more. There's there's a big group of people. Apparently there's like 40 people that witness these exorcisms. Yeah. They don't just give them out for no reason, don't they? They don't, you have to ask permission and it's not very often that they give them out. Well, let you do them. No, as far as I understand it, there's got to be some very clear signs as well for them to even consider it. And I tried to find the list because I think there's three main signs. And it's like talking in a language that you don't know. Like superhuman strength. Yeah. But yes, there are these, there are like criteria they don't just say oh yeah you could do an exorcism you know it's it's quite yeah heavily regulated i think yeah so anyway they they have got permission from the archbishop so that's good the thing that's really bizarre is roland during the day was absolutely fine he was like a completely normal little boy and things just really kicked off at night time so during the day they just left him alone and they did the exorcisms at night yeah and he'd speak in a very deep and husky voice that was nothing like his own. I mean, man, that creeps me out. Oh. Like in horror films and stuff, I really okay. don't like it when they're talking funny or moving funny. I don't like it. Yeah, or when they're all twitchy and they go downstairs on like doing a weird crab. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, like, like all upside dis- down and wrong way around. Like dislocated movement Ugh. and stuff. No. Yeah, or like, or like, Twitchy. I do not like it. No, it really freaks me out. (laughs) I don't don't like it. Anyway, so he's talking in a very deep and husky voice, nothing like his own. And and he starts speaking Latin as well, which is just creepy as fuck. Uh, And Ron has no knowledge of Latin. And he's talking Latin with these priests. His bed would shake uncontrollably. He would be covered in big red welts all over his body. And the scratches oh. that appeared would spell out hell or evil. Oh, side note, welts is now a new word that's going on my I do not like this word list. Welts is a horrible oh, sounding word. I hate word. the word welt. It is awful. Ugh. Ugh. I do not like yes. the mouthfeel of oh. welt. Oh, the word mouthfeel's disgusting too. <laughs> <laughs> mouthfeel. Oh, I found a word that I do like this week, and I'm trying to think of it, and I really can't remember it. Oh, what was oh, it? A flurry. That's it. That's what I like. The word flurry. <laughs> like a flurry? A flurry of snow or a mac flurry. Yeah. It's flurry is a nice word. It is a nice word. A word it is. I really like is labradoodle. I like that word. I like them dogs. Lovely. Right. 
But welt, no. I do not welt can go and fuck itself with oh, moist no. burgundy and segment. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Are you actually trying to get a gag out of me? Oh, bulbous. <laughs> okay, back oh, to the story. I'm still cringing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, he'd spit at the priests. He wouldn't, like, vomit the green pea soup like it did in the movie, but there was a lot of spitting and a lot of peeing. He would pee on them constantly. Ah, oh, dirty bastard. Uh, yeah, apparently these priests had to actually have, like, waterproof clothing because there was that much pee going on. He would mime masturbation. And something that I found absolutely fucking horrific is he would sing. And he would sing, like, songs he'd never heard before. He'd know all the words perfectly. And he would sing with perfect pitch. And apparently Roland Doe could not sing for shit. But when, when during these exorcisms, oh. he'd start singing, it was perfect pitch. Oh. Oh. But what was he singing? church song no no um oh hang on something about a swanee river something like that hang on swanee river oh, just song. like creepy songs don't know i didn't look it up i bet it is he's not singing why didn't moses cross the red sea riding moses cross the red sea did you never sing that in school yes yes but no i don't think it's like that How did he get across no but freaky stuff. But yeah, so- I imagine that it was pretty creepy, awful the, stuff. The, the thing is, it, the song in itself was probably fine. It's the the kind of atmosphere. It's completely not normal for a little <laughs> boy in the middle of a fucking exorcism to start singing. Oh. And sometimes, and this was lovely, he would just sit and listen to the priests grinning and giggling at them. Yuck. Oh. Oh, uh, freaky child giggling yeah Halloran one of the priests actually had his nose broken by the boy Uh, I found this information multiple times and not one of them told me how but I can imagine it wasn't very pleasant Uh, right the thing uh, is this went on for months so I'm reading all this and people think you know it could be a day or two days or three days no this went on for months and months the first time Roland started at Acting weird is January 15th, 1949. And we're now April 1st. That's how long this has been going on. So oh my all... God. But would he like eat and stuff? Well, yeah, during the day he was Still. fine. During the day he was fine. Ah, so... yeah, of course he was. Anyway, Ugh. through all this, the priests had been teaching him about the Catholic religion and they were trying to get him to convert because they thought if he converted to being Catholic, then, you know, it would help with the exorcism. So they had him baptised and then they were going to, uh, he was going to have his first Holy Communion. So April 1st, he was fully converted and baptised and April 2nd, he made his first Holy Communion. And finally, on April 18th, the exorcism works, and Roland just said, he's gone. So then Roland went off to be a... He was just a completely normal little boy. He had no recollection of what had happened, and he's lived a very full and happy life, um, as far as I can see. 
So yeah, that's the story, and it got leaked to the press. So it was then there was then a newspaper article. I think it was in the Washington Post, and that's where William Blatty got the idea to write The Exorcist. And yeah, that is my story, oh. dude. That is my first story. Oh, that was really good. Well done. Clap clap clap. Thank oh, you. What you'd think you, you could put it down to mental illness, but the fact that he was absolutely fine and there was never any problems. That's what makes it freaky. And the whole, he's gone, at the end. Ugh. Yuck. I mean, Ugh. the whole story's well. grim. <laughs> yeah. 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 Moving, moving oh, swiftly it's on. Kind of a happy ending, though. Yes, he, he was fine. Happy ending. That's the main thing, he was fine. Yeah. Ugh, what freaky, though. Freaky little thing. Uh, kids. Yeah. Kids are awful. <laughs> The thing is, it would be creepy, whoever it happened to, but the fact that it happened to a, a kid, it just makes it it just makes yeah. it even scarier. Yeah, it does. Ooh. <laughs> oh, children. Oh, you just think, oh, they're, you know, you just want to protect them and all that, but no, they go and get themselves possessed and get welts all over them. Oh, no, not welts. Oh. Ooh. I think I said Welk as well. That's not the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, idiot. I'll blame the grey. Oh, right. Well, that was very good. Well done. Blame the grey. Blame. Can't speak. I haven't even drank it all. I was like, no, save, save some. Save, save some, some for your story for when your mouth gets dry. <laughs> <laughs> you can wet it with a bit of grey. <laughs> Right. right, if you're ready, I'm ready. I'm excited. <laughs> I wonder if you know it. I was wondering if uh, you knew my story or not. So, I mean, I love true I... crime, but apart from like the really, really famous, obvious ones, I probably don't know it. Yeah. Well, I knew this guy's nickname. I'd heard of his nickname before, but not his actual name. So right. this is... The ooh, serial ooh, killer, ooh, ooh, French. Ooh. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> I forgot to say. Right, go on. <laughs> I forgot to say. The Exorcist, there was actually a serial killer in that movie. There was? Yeah, an actor. That, so, you know that scene where she's getting her scans done? Like, right at the beginning of the film. Yeah. And she, so she's in this big scan machine. And the X-ray, the yeah. X-ray guy... He was actually the x-ray guy that was working at the hospital while they were f- making the film. And they were like, hey, do you want to be in the film? Because he, you know, he knew how to press all the buttons and stuff. And he was like, yeah, yeah. sure, whatever. That guy? Serial killer. No. Swear to God. No. Yeah, swear to God. Oh, my God. Yep. I'll have to do him. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> look him, look him up. Is. Look him up. I won't give anything away. I mean, in fact, I can't really remember. But yeah, look him up. The serial killer out of The Exorcist. Oh my god. Oh, it makes it even creepier, doesn't it? Like the whole film was cursed and loads of weird stuff happened during the filming. I don't know how true it is. Um, I know that the, you know the scene where the mum goes, runs up to her and like she's pushed away by this invisible force and she like, bangs into a big piece of furniture and she lets out this horrible scream. She actually yeah. broke her back in that scene and that scream that you can hear in the oh film, it's, it's actually her really crying out in pain because she broke her back during the stunt. 
Oh my god! Oh, it's like a real screen. It's so it's a oh. real screen. Yeah. Yeah. There's oh all, there's all sorts of shit. Anyway, I'm sorry. Um, I just can't believe I forgot to tell you that. You you should look up for like <laughs> the next episode, like the next podcast or whenever. The uh, that guy. Yeah, I'll definitely uh look that guy up, even if he's like a little segment. Yes. Yeah. A little little side story. Yeah. Little side well. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I'm getting on with my story. And he is a serial killer, French serial killer, because we live in France. So I thought I'd start with one from home. Mais oui. And mais oui. Uh, Well, he, he... most of his crimes were in France and in Belgium as well. So it's the crimes of Mich- Michel Fournier, who is the ogre of the Ardennes. I, so, I think I've heard of this guy. I think I've heard of him. Yeah, it was, defi- it was definitely his nickname that got me. I was like, yes, I've heard of him before. Anyway. I'm intrigued. So, I'm intrigued. Michel. What did he do? Well... Listen. <laughs> right, I will tell you. I'm here. I'm Be listening. Patient, my child. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> right. So Michel was born on the fourth of April in 1942 in Sedan, France. 1942. 1942. Oh, so it's pretty. I mean, so he was pretty older recent. Yeah, yeah, it's not a, it's not an oldie. I did have an oldie, and I was like, no, we'll do that one a bit later. So. Cool, cool. Yeah, it goes up to what, what we count as present day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> when we talk about stuff. Actually, <laughs> it's the same, yeah. it's the same time period I was just talking about, 1940s. Oh, yeah, yeah, it was. So, Ooh. when your exorcist boy was doing all of his stuff, this was happening in France, which all pretty Michelle was stuff, up to no good. Different ways. Yeah, naughty Michelle. So, he, Michelle was born in Sedan, France. He didn't have a very good childhood. And his father happened to be a violent alcoholic who was not very tolerant of his mother, of uh, his wife's mental illness, illness, which was Michelle's mum. Right. So, after a while... He's got an alcoholic and abusive father and a mentally ill mum, yeah? Yeah, well, I found in some... Some of the articles that I read, they said that he was violent, but they never said who he was violent to, and then others didn't mention it at all. So I'm not sure on how violent he was, but he was definitely a heavy alcoholic. Good combo, though. Good combo. Yeah. Mental health mum and alcoholic dad. Bless him. So his mum and dad were not getting on. So they decided to get divorced on the day of his 12th birthday. Oh, man. I mean, come on, like you are awkward enough at 12, and then your mum and dad go do that on your birthday. (laughs) That's pretty awful. So apparently he says that his mum sexually assaulted him when he was younger. Oh, for fuck's sake. It's like these guys have thought, how can we make a serial killer? Yeah. (laughs) Right, serial killer, child 101, right, (laughs) tick, alcoholic, tick. (laughs) Right, so you may may feel sorry for him for the minute, but you won't do later. No. So, so because of this, he saw women as impure, disgusting things that were just kind of there to service men. And uh, despite his hate for women, he went on to have a total of three wives and five children. Not all at once, but no. one after the other. Okay. Right. 
He got married to his first wife, a nurse called Annette, in 1963. And on on their wedding night, so it was pretty old-fashioned, you know, they were both virgins, never slept together, sleep together on the wedding night. But he found out on his wedding night that his wife wasn't actually a virgin. Uh-oh. And he freaks out. He absolutely finds it absolutely disgusting. He's absolutely repulsed. And I think what he was, he couldn't wait to have sex with a virgin. He felt that it would purify it. I don't know. He just thought that it'd take all the dirt that he felt away. Right. Um, And he'd been obsessing over the fact that he was going to take her virginity. Oh, shit. And, uh, yes. Anyway... They don't get divorced or anything. They stay together and have a child. Uh, So that must be a great, great marital home for that child as well. Great. Just like, let's make more, let's make more psychos. Anyway, he couldn't get the thought of sleeping with a virgin out of his head. He just couldn't stop. So three years after marrying uh, his first wife, he, he kidnapped a young girl outside of the city of Nantes. And then tried to undress her and sexually assault her, but she he was caught, and this uh, he was caught and convicted of it, and this ended his first married marriage. His wife divorced him after that because he's you know he'd been being caught fiddling with young girls, and I think the girl was about thirteen. Okay, that's she fair wasn't enough. very old at all. That's fair enough. Yep. So good woman. That, yes. No, I'm, I'm saying off. fair enough yeah. for the first wife, not fair enough for fiddling. Kiddies. Yeah, yeah, I know, yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> but despite, uh, I don't think he he spent long in prison. I couldn't find how long he spent there, but I think it was just a couple of months. I mean, it was the sixties. Sexual harassment was nothing, even when it was a kid. So great. Yes. So yeah, okay. So he's back out. Yeah, he's back out, and then bounces out of prison. Nineteen sixty nine gets another wife. <laughs> of course. Of course. Was she a virgin? And then there's like, I don't know. It was not, it was not, I couldn't find it anywhere. But they go on to have three children. So he has four kids now. Right. So, so anyway, Michelle continues to be an absolute creep and stop and, you know, continues sexually assaulting and flashing, yeah, he got uh, caught for flashing. And, oh like, no, that's yeah, so, exposing oh, himself. And it's always so to young gross. girls. Oh. Yeah, imagine like walking. He was like walking down the park. and was like, Ew. it's like <laughs> the early days of the unwanted dick pic. Oh yes, unwanted flash in the park. But oh. they were always young girls because oh. it's just. Com- oh yeah, by the way, this story isn't very nice. Yeah. Michelle, Michelle, or Mitchell, as we say in English. <laughs> so is it Mitchell or Michelle? What should I do? Should I make it French? Would Michel. it be Michael if it was Michelle? Wouldn't it be? Oh no, no, it wouldn't be Michael. Oh yeah, it'd be Michael. No, it wouldn't because Michael's Michael. Yeah, Michael. Yeah, so it's it's Mitchell. 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 Right. So in 1982, he steps things up a notch. He he hasn't. He's just been. Well, just been. He's. Been flashing and like, um, but he hasn't like raped anyone. He hasn't gone the, the one step up again. But in 1982, he kind of takes a bit of a big jump. So in on the 4th of September 1982, 14-year-old Dahina Le Guinan had been at a friend's house all afternoon. 
and for once her mum agreed to let her take the tr- later train home. <laughs> Bless her. This is not. And then, no, I uh, know. Poor mum and poor her. And then, anyway, she gets into um, where she lives. She gets to, into the train station, leaves the train station, starts walking home. She hadn't realised that Michelle had been watching her since she came out of the station. He'd been following her home. He sneaks up behind her and grabs her by the arm and he says he was taking her hostage and that he had stolen a vehicle and that he was being chased by police. Okay, which isn't true. No. <laughs> he, he made up all this later, manipulate her completely. So anyway, he forced her into his van and he, apparently he was completely calm throughout the... He was not hysterical he was not he was just completely calmly spoken he started rambling on then about how he couldn't trust anyone since he found out his wife wasn't a virgin and it made him very sad oh poor baby oh get over yourself michelle but uh, he's got tiny um, tiny dick oh but he has right oh, and anyway he was like bashing, little, bashing on again little micro pee flashing needle. that's why he's flashing it at everybody oh yeah like them tiny little thin nail varnishes that you can get. Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he said he was bashing off again, saying that he was obsessed with, quote, the myth of virginity, unquote. <laughs> he said that he was going to tie her up and pretend to rape her because he didn't want the police thinking that she was his accomplice because they were going to catch him soon. Ah, this is what he was telling her. Trafty. Uh, and then she was like, no, just please don't. And uh, and that. And uh, he said, no, I, I need to do it. And then she realised that it was a trap because the bounds that he bound her up with were already prepared and tied to the chair in the car. They're all like, he just like whipped him out from under the seat. And he said, are you a virgin? She lied and said no. Yes, uh, clever. Yes, I was Good like, thinking. you brilliant woman. She is so brave. Really, really brave is this girl. And then, uh, anyway, he does, he does rape her. Oh, for fuck's sake. Uh, and then, because he's a psycho and a complete fucking awful bastard, he started saying, oh, you know, he started, like, not crying, but, like, saying, oh, if you tell anyone, it'll ruin my life. I'll lose my job. It'll ruin my life. My wife will leave me. Me, me, me. And I was oh, like, fuck you, Michelle. Yeah, fucking dick. <laughs> I was like, I was shouting at the telly because I was watching some of this was a, um, like a French documentary on it and then a load of articles online. I was like, you fucking dickhead. Like, I was really, I know, I was like, why are you getting so aggressive? Like, <laughs> I was sat there in my cup of tea in my dressing gown. tripping the victim. Like, oh, God. And yeah, and kind of completely manipulated her into not saying anything. And she said, no, no, I won't, I promise. And she said, I could feel myself believing him. He dropped her off not far from her house and then uh, not far from her house. So not far from where he kidnapped her from. And then he sped off. And then she said, as soon as I saw, so this is a quote, quote, as soon as I saw his headlights disappear, it was as if a veil had been lifted and I came back down to earth and I just realized what just happened. Unquote. Yeah. So. I think she went into survival mode and was just like... Yeah, yeah like, yeah, fight, you know, fight just, just or fly kind of thing. Exactly, just doing anything 
to not anger him. She didn't know what he was going to do. No, absolutely. Um, she was 14. You know, think how... Oh, bless well. her heart. <sighs> Jesus bless Christ. Her. Yeah, I mean, she got the late train home and it was about 10. So I think it was dark. I think she said it was dark when she got but got off the train. But, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, he escaped and then he proceeded to, again, sexually sexual assault around 15 young girls and women over the next two years. Jesus. So he didn't get caught at first. He only got caught in 1984, so two so years later. Sexual, like, is he raping them or is he No, just... he's just, um, well, he's just, he's flashing, he's trying to touch people up, he's trying to... He's just been a yeah, creepy Yeah, he's touching perv, people. He's really. complete creepy, yeah. Complete microfenus. Dickhead. Yeah, complete dick. I was, I was so angry. Oh, it was so awful. When that I was sounds watching gross. This, Absolutely gross. We'll have to set up some sort of drive or some sort of blog that that I can show you the pictures of um, of some of the serial killers because he actually doesn't. When he was younger, maybe we should set up like an Instagram or something and yeah, post all the pictures there. Yeah, we'll have to we'll have to get something sorted out. But the ones, like the photos of him in the 70s, God, does he look like a creep. When he's older, he just looks like a normal man. He looks like a librarian. He just looks normal. Yeah. It, which is even more scary because is he, like, he just looks so normal. Is he like slightly balding with glasses? Because that's a picture I've got in my head. Like like really thick 70s yeah, that's glasses. Kind of, yeah, kind of. Yeah, that's what he, he just He did have hair as well. Oh, okay. But yeah, yeah, he was greying by, by, uh, by recently. And anyway, so eventually, he eventually gets caught in 1984 and put into prison because of awesome Diana. She uh, testifies against him. So this is the first kid, the fourteen-year-old, yeah. Yeah, the one that was raped by him, kidnapped and raped. Oh, so God, she's she, got some balls, hasn't she? She's she t- real, real balls, and she's what sixteen when she was um, when she had to testify against him. Mm. So again such awkward ages and then to have your life fucked well completely turned upside down by an absolute psycho yeah but yeah because because of her he gets sentenced to seven years so that's seven years but included including two suspended years so what's that five years and then two years out on i never really understand anything wrong (laughs) i never really understand the whole sentencing stuff because it's like it sounds scary and then it turns out that oh actually i spent six months in prison and i'm out now so yeah and and in france there was so much harder i was like trying to translate things and i was like what does that mean i was like that means suspended and it was like oh yes seven years and a croissant i don't know what he said (laughs) baguette (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> une baguette et sept croissants <laughs> but anyway while he was in prison for these seven years his second wife divorces him good, does, good. again good on her it, does, it doesn't look like the wives know much I think they know he's a bit of a fucking weirdo but I don't think they know much about what he's doing when he's in prison he sees an ad in a Christian newspaper and he starts talking like a pen pal with a woman called Monique Olivier. Oh, she Monique. was also twice, yeah, oh, Monique, Monique. So Monique was a bit of a twat. And All right. uh, she was, yeah, you'll see why. She 
was also twice, not because of this, but she was also twice divorced and she had lost custody of her two children. She completely wanted revenge on her exes and she wanted four things. She wanted one, to get her kids back, two, revenge, three, to kill her exes and to f- four, for Michelle to play the role of her new husband. Yeah. Right. I mean, then, she's got um, a plan. You, you gotta give her that. She's, yeah. she's organized. She knows, she knows where she's going. Yeah. Yeah. She's definitely got a plan. This wasn't the first letter in or anything. They'd been going back and forth. Things were getting a little bit steamy as well. And, uh, he said that he would do those four things for her if she would help him have sex with four virgins. He's not letting this one so go. It was he? a bit like. No, he's obsessed. And he's a bit like, eh, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. Virgin sex isn't even all I'll that. Come. It's awkward and quick. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's awkward. Why would you want to relive that? <laughs> oh, to God. And this uh, made me gag. He was bashing on again about how much he's obsessed with virgins. And he calls them... Hymens on legs. Oh. How, oh, it's disgusting, isn't it? Oh, he's so horrible. And in French, yeah, in French he called them membranes, membranes sur pattes. How disgusting oh. is that? So that's what it is, hymens on legs, oh, isn't it? Oh, it's membrane, oh. and membrane is on my horrible word list. Oh. Yeah, that, but I was like, me- yeah, exactly. It's a disgusting word. I was like, I'm not saying membrane. <laughs> it's disgusting. You just said it. Oh. Well, that's why uh, too- no, I had to gag afterwards. <laughs> membrane and welts. Yeah, and I'm... Fuck off. He went to prison in 1984, and he gets out in June 1987 for good oh, behaviour. Wow. What, of those course, five years? Wow. Oh, three, three years. years. He only did three. Yeah, three years. <sighs> yeah. <sighs> so, June how 1987, he gets out. So, how many times do we hear this with serial killers? Like, they're in prison for like two years and then we let them go and then they killed a shitload of people. What? We don't understand what well, we would not know. Yeah. So, anyway, he gets out in June 1987. And, uh, well, so he gets together with Monique, they check up. Love at first sight. In December 1987, so that's the December of when he got out. He got out in June, and this is in December. So December, Michelle and and, uh, Monique drove in separate vehicles to the Auxerre area of France. They saw a 17-year-old girl who they'd been spying on for a couple of days. Oh, no. They'd been targeting the same girl. Yeah. They knew she was coming home from school at a certain time, and they know where she was living. So Monique, he wasn't in the car. Monique drove up to her, drove up to Isabelle Laville, and uh, asked her for directions. She said, well, I'll give you a lift home if you give me directions to where I want to go. So Isabel agreed to do so. Uh, and she's 17, you know, she, she only lived about, I think it was a kilometre away from school. So it was, you know, it's a little bit of a trek. Yeah, if yeah. If you can get in a car, it'd be good. And this was in the 80s, so everyone did everything. So, um. The 80s were. Yeah, like, so she gets. Yeah. Nobody 
cared. Did yeah, they? pretty. No, and also I'm it shocked was a woman. anybody she survived was... the eighties. To be honest, <laughs> I know I was born just after, so my life life was always been a little bit easier than people that were born in the eighties. But um, yeah, uh, so and she was a woman on her own. It's it, though, you, yeah, you of... trust you trust women. Uh, you know, you do. Yeah, and this is a pattern that they keep repeating, unfortunately. Oh, and it sneaky always works. fox. Sneaky fuckers. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so she gets in, gets in the front seat, and uh, start driving down the road, and oh, vas is das. There is a man at the side of the road with a jerry can saying that he's run out of petrol. So she's uh. like, oh, well, I'm not going to do accents. Oh my god! And she's like, "Oh, uh, oh you know, the voices." That, uh, no, I can't do it. <laughs> what? What? What are you doing? <laughs> oh, that's awful. I'm not going to do any more. Anyway, he, uh, she stopped. He said that he'd broken down. She said, "Get in the back." And so he got in the back of the car behind Isabel with his jerry can. So I started driving down the road. And then Michelle got out a piece of rope and put it around uh, Isabel's neck from the back. So you put it over the seat and around yeah, yeah. the neck. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then Monique sedated her with Rohypnol. Oh, for fuck's sake. The couple brought the girl to their home in Saint-Cyr-les-Colons, where Michelle wanted to, wanted to rape Isabel. He couldn't get it up. <laughs> so Monique had to, yeah, so Monique had to intervene and get him going before oh, he could. This is disgusting. Unfortunately, rape poor Isabel. I know. I'm sorry. It doesn't. It, I don't put too much detail in it. it. There's a lot of the articles go into a lot of detail, and it's just unnecessary. So, uh, and I wasn't sure of your your squeamishness. You see, now I kind of want to know the gory details, but I don't want to know the gory details. No, well, I haven't written him down, so I can't remember him, but, uh, so, yeah, he raped and strangled her, and then they threw her down a well, and then they went home in the two cars. They just chucked her down a well like she was just rubbish, just nothing, like she didn't mean anything. And then he got a taste for this, unfortunately, and then in March 1988, so a couple of months later, it wasn't actually that long afterwards, this is a... this was a bit random, and I didn't know whether to put this now in the order of oh, how it happened or go through the other stuff and then randomly come back to this. So you know that Michelle was in was in prison. Did you just take a photo? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> My cats were being really cute. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was just like, there's always someone spying on me. Oh, you took a photo. <laughs> Oh, you better send that to me because I want to see it. Yes. This is why we need an Instagram, see? I could put the photo up. I'm part of a Facebook group um, called This Goes Out to the Undercat, and it's basically a Facebook group that um, specialises in cats sitting on other cats. (laughs) (laughs) And my cat is just, like, completely squashing one of my other cats. So I was like, I need to... I'm sorry, I interrupted you, but it was. I'll send you it anyway. So yes, yeah. he was in prison. I was anyway. listening. Yeah. No, no, I know you were. <laughs> <laughs> right. So in March of 1988, 
uh, he, Michel was contacted by the wife of a, of one of his cellmates from when he was in prison. And this mm. um, this cellmate was called Jean Pierre, which is a very French name. Jean Pierre. I love with these and then, like deep. I know we're in France, but these names are like deeply French, super French. And then, so he was a bank robber. Was this guy was Jean Pierre? So it was his wife uh, that contacted Michel, a woman called Farida Amish, because they'd shared a cell together. And he asked Michelle to help her, like, dig up a hole that was in a cemetery. Mm. I was like, where the fuck is this going? I yeah. did not understand what was going. And anyway, it had been stolen by a gang member, and this guy knew about it. So, anyway, they went to retrieve it, and it yeah. was worth 500,000 francs. So, what... I don't know how much... 500,000 francs is in today's money. I think it is 50,000 euros. Right. I guess that I will. If we had a, like, a group somehow, that would have corrected it. But I don't know. I think it's about 50,000 euros. We're talking about a serious amount of cash. Yes. Yeah, it is a lot. Um, anyway, they dig it up and then Michelle is a dick, and he double-crosses her and kills her. He, she, he strangled her and buried her. His cellmate is still in prison, so oh. he can't get out. That's why he oh, called okay. to go do it, to go do it with his wife, <laughs> to go um, to yeah. go dig up this treasure with his wife, and they were going to split it. Right. But instead of splitting it, he goes and kills her, and then he buries his body. And her I mean, I expect found. nothing less at this point from Michelle. And then they used the money they made from it to buy a chateau called Chateau du Sartou in Donchery, which I don't know where that is. I think it's in the north of France, but I'm not sure. And I didn't want to go look at it. It's somewhere in France. It's in France. Yes, I'm guessing it's in France with the word like Chateau de Soutou. De Soutou. Mm. <laughs> anyway, so they buy a chateau. And I don't know how chateauy this chateau looks. If it looks like a chateau or whether it's just a big house that they call it a chateau. Yeah. And then by the following August, like the, no, that was March. So in August, Monique was quite heavily pregnant with Michelle's baby. So this is the fifth child for him and third for her. God, he spreads it so about. So on the 3rd of August. Yeah. Yeah. He's Michael Willie. Obviously yeah. does the job. <laughs> Sowing that seed. The couple drove to a, supermarket in Chalon-sur-Marne and then they encountered a 20-year-old Fabienne Loire in the car park. And then, so again, Monique pulls up, heavily pregnant. Uh, I think they were, they, he was in the car as well. So, she, But with her being heavily pregnant, saying that she's not very well, she needs to go to the doctor. And could she get in and direct them to the doctor's surgery because they're panicking and can't take, won't, won't remember the directions. If she could just get in the car and go to the doctors with her, it'll be a lot easier for them. So because she's a sweet, kind little, kind 20 year old, she gets in the car. And then unfortunately he restrains her and they drive to a nearby forest. And again, she's raped and murdered. But this time he shot her in the chest. In January 1989, he met 
a 21-year-old Jeanne, uh, Jeanne Marie, bonjour, I can't pronounce her last name, Desrameaux. Again, luring her into the car, saying the baby... The, oh, this was when the baby was born. So the baby was born by now. They had the baby in the car. Oh, my And they God. were saying the baby was sick. Oh, So then, they, again, baby was in the car, got this woman, killed her, raped her, murdered her, buried the her again. Is, you would. If somebody came up to you and was like, my baby, my baby's sick, can you help? You'd be like, hell yeah, of course I'll help you. I mean, I would. I'm 30, and I probably would. I'd be like, sick child? Let of me course help. you would. You know, like, but keep it away from me, don't it? would be sick on me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Think, oh, and, yeah. uh, yeah. Yeah. Then in, on the 20th of December, 1989. So it's usually about twice a year he does this. So 1989, 12-year-old Elizabeth Brichette, who looks like my eldest daughter, blonde, you know, just looks so young. She looks about nine. Oh, God. Beautiful. I mean, not like it changes anything, but God, she was just just like a little angel child. And yeah. they killed killed her and buried her in their garden at their chateau. And the uh, final known murder that he committed with Monique's help took place on the 21st of November 1990 uh, near France's western coast. The couple drove to a shopping centre near Nantes and they saw 13-year-old Natasha Danny, Natasha Danny, uh, walking through the car park towards her home, having been told to go back home to fetch her mum's bag or a purse that she'd left there. So she was mm. only going across the car park, yeah. going back home and then coming back. And then they lured her into the van, uh, asking again for directions. If anyone asks you for directions... Book it off running the other side. Be like, no, fuck off. And then yeah, just go just away. Don't just be like, talk. no, I, just, yeah. I'll just be like, no, I'm sorry, I don't, I, uh, no. Not from around these parts. I'm not free. No, I'll just say no. You don't have, you don't owe anyone an explanation for anything. Say, no, bye. They drove her to a secluded area near the coast and then he stabbed her twice in the chest with a screwdriver, strangled oh her God. before leaving her body in the beach. Yeah. So did he they rape think her? that she was. They think he did it, but post mortem this time. Oh, for fuck's sake! I know it's just getting worse. I mean, eh. he's got nothing going Ooh, for him. This yeah. guy, like every single no. disgusting thing, he's got it. Yeah, and he's that woman's there. She's there with him, Ugh. helping. Oh, Jesus. Anyway, apparently she was a pretty willing participant. She'd always, like, be there and, you know, ugh. Anyway. She was very, very um, supportive in uh, her Yeah, very supported and very involved. Yes. Yeah, he was very involved in the whole thing. Lovely. And they had a son. They had a young, a young boy <laughs> when they were doing all this. Fuck's sake. Um, apparently it was their... It was the neighbour that looked after him because he was a bit neglected. They said that he would be fed on potato water. Uh, the water left over from so cooking was... potatoes. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's what they'd feed him. And they lived in a chateau. So he wasn't having a great childhood, he bad. Childhood. Disgusting, vile people. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Um, anyway, this is awful as well. <laughs> it, does, it does eventually get better, I swear. Anyway, eight days later, Jean, Jean Groix, 
a neighbor of Natasha, was arrested after a white van belonging to him matched the description of the van that Natalie's sister had seen. She'd only vaguely seen it. Um, Because um, she, like I said, she was just across uh, just she was just waiting with her mum. So they didn't see her get kidnapped, but they saw, like, you know, all, like, and they'd seen a van in the area and then suddenly leave. So this neighbour's van na- matched the like general description, but you think white vans—they all kind of look the same, especially when I was you're say, yeah. young. I'd be like, "Oh, it's a white van." You know, was it big? Well, quite big. He was found to be lodging suspected members of the ETA in his home, and I don't know what the ETA. Is. Oh, I was just going to ask you, and what's I did that? Not have time to look it up. I was like, estimated time of arrival. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what's that? <laughs> It's can fine. You it we'll do. You can tell us next time. Yeah, yeah. We'll have a look at that. Police suspected that Jean had found out that uh, Natasha had found out about his lodgers, and that's why he killed her. Right. Uh, so he was suspected and arrested for this. And two yeah. months later, he committed suicide in his prison cell because it was reported he was unable to bear the bear the burden of having to being accused of murdering this young girl. Yeah. You know, he was doing some, he was into some, you know, he was doing something that wasn't, he was a bit of a criminal in other parts, but he... He was a bit dodgy, yeah. He didn't want, he wasn't a murderer. He was a bit dodgy, but it doesn't mean you're going to murder a child. Yeah. And this is where it gets a bit weird as well, because after being, after murdering about two girls a year for quite a few years, they moved to Belgium and things go quiet for about 10 years. No murders, no rapes, no nothing. Okay. Yeah. And I don't know if I believe that. I don't think you just stop. He no, said he that... was in his period of abstinence. Suspicious. But I just don't, I don't, it's very suspicious to me. I just think there's a lot of people that we don't know about. And he's just kept that under his wing, kept it, you know, kept it hidden because he wanted some sort of control. Yeah. Anyway, now uh, Monique doesn't come murdering with him anymore. He does it alone. So he lives in Belgium, but he usually comes to France to 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 kidnap these young girls. And I don't know if you noticed, but in nearly a lot of the murders, he either strangles or stabs or shoots. You know, it's always kind of like something different. And yeah. he did that on purpose because he watched the news and looked at the like the local murders in those areas, and then he would target those areas and do a similar murder. So it looks like the same person. Had done oh, it. so he's like a copycat. Yeah, like a copycat, and so that the police wouldn't catch on that this person had, um, all of his murders wouldn't be connected, because they would always kind of be a little bit different. He's a crafty one, isn't he? Yeah, he is. I don't think he's stupid, I think he is quite smart, but in like a very disgusting way. Yeah, like Anyway, so this now, yeah, disgusting way. Hannibal, Hannibal Lecter, psychopath. Ugh, yeah, psychopath. Anyway, so now we get into the 2000s. So 16th of May, 2000. So it's not even in the 90s. Like, he missed the whole of, like, the 90s almost. And then we're straight into the 2000s, which I don't think seems like a long time ago, the year 2000. Well, it's not. And uh, anyway, no, it isn't. But it's it is not, and, it isn't. and I will fight uh, anybody who tells me this. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it wasn't a long time ago. Yes, I agree. 
Anyway, on the 16th of May 2000, he lured 18-year-old Celine Saison, which was who was again on the way home from school, lured her into his van. He seems to be having the same van throughout the whole time, unless he just only gets vans. Yeah. It's been going on a while now. So in the late afternoon, he drove her back to Belgium. He blackmailed her into having sex with him. So he basically raped her. Yeah. Before strangling her with a rope and dumping her body in a forest. Ugh. On the 5th of May 2001, so the year later, again, he drove back over the border into France, but to his like hometown of Sedan, and met a Mananya Tumpung, her name is. She was a 13-year-old girl of Thai origin, and I'm really sorry, I just butchered her name. Mananya, that was her name, Mananya Tumpung. Right. Um, he had met her and given her a lift home a few weeks earlier. So he'd planned this in advance because he's a crafty fuck. Oh, so he'd and, like gained um, her trust. Yes, he had gained her trust and like, he was like, oh, I'm from round here. Yeah, you know. And then he saw, he spotted her outside the local library and he invited her to come to his house and play with his son, who I assume was about the same age. Yeah. So she accepts the offer and climbs into the van and was driven to Nolvo, which, again, I don't know where that is, but every single time as well, he'd change towns. He'd drive a couple of hours away from where he lived. Yeah, yeah. Like so, yeah, it's never the same spot. Person. Yeah, he'd do it on purpose so he wouldn't get caught. And then, again, ripped, murdered, dumped the body. And then we finally get to the 26th of is June. Is somebody going to catch this fucking, fucker? Because, you know... Yes, I swear this is coming to an end right now with this awesome girl called Marie Ascension, who was fucking amazing. I think she was 13. They always blurred out her face, obviously, because of her age, and her um, name was only in a few of the articles, only in the French ones. Uh, so maybe just call her Marie. Yeah. And uh, she was walking home again from school. He pulls up. Says he has a parcel to deliver to church, and could he? She help him with directions. Yeah, she didn't want to. She was very reluctant, but agrees because he said he was an art professor, and you know he just wanted to drop the parcel off at the church. And you know she's religious, and I think he must have spied on her again and found out, you know, Stop. what type of family she was from, what type of girl she is. Yeah, hey, so he got her in the van. Yeah, he got her in the van. Asked her if she was a virgin. She freaks out, so he ties her up and chucks her in the back. Mm. Chucks her in the back of the van. So, because she's absolutely amazing, so brave, and managed to get her binds off. She managed to get the rope off her hands, and he didn't tie her feet up. Uh, And then she stands up and looks, and it said, open here. (laughs) There was a lever, and it wasn't locked in the back of the van. He stops at a stop sign. She fucks off out of the van. She runs and runs straight into a passing motorist and gets in the car. So this woman that picks her up is like, what the fuck's going on? Then they happen to just... She was like, get me to the police, get me to the police, I've just been kidnapped. They On the way at the police station, they cross his van. They He hadn't noticed that she got out. Oh, thank God. I thought he was going to get out of the van and start causing trouble, but... No, I think it was one of them vans where there's not a mirror into the back, and I don't okay, think he so noticed he didn't the, know. Yeah, he didn't know. So they stopped and took his license plate down. 
So again, brilliant. When you're yes. in a panic, you d- might not think about that. No, yeah. no, she's, so, she's, brilliant, brilliant, she's brilliant. doing good. Yeah. And so, yeah. And then they go straight to the police. Um, the police tracked him down with his number plate and he denied, obviously, he denied everything. Yeah. So they decided to get his wife in. Again, she was like, not saying anything, but she was a lot more emotional than him. He was like a rock. He just, just no emotion, just, uh, just nothing, nothing wrong, yeah. you know, like, like, why am I here kind of thing. So they do all their inspector stuff and start digging. That was very, very cool. Inspector stuff. Uh, they do the police so all things. The, the, the police things and do the researchy things. They found out that they used to own a chateau and that after they bought the house, they went back to the notaire. And I don't know what the word notaire is in English. Is it a notary? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, what, something where, like where that. Do you, yeah, it's where you buy, when you buy a house, he does all your documents. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, so they went back to this guy, uh, to the notaire, and said, I have some special trees. <laughs> I have some what? delicate, uh, what's the word? <laughs> some special trees. I have special trees. So special trees. But anyway, I have these trees that I want protecting. I don't want anyone to be able... I want it to be on the deeds that you're not allowed to dig up these trees and you're not allowed to dig two metres around them. Because that's not suspicious suspicious. whatsoever. Surely the notaire should have been a bit like, well, this is weird. No, but it was just like, oh, well, that'll be eight million euros. Give that to me now. True, true. Yeah. (laughs) Well, but no, then again, I don't know. Fuck knows how it... But if he's so cool and, like, in a way, charming when he needs to be, because apparently he was completely normal at his job, completely normal guy, he turned off the creep. Uh, So he probably just blabbed his way into making it not look weird. It just makes it more terrifying, doesn't it, that you've got, like, these people who are completely fucked up. They're, like, the most vile subhuman pieces of shit and then they're just walking around like they're just completely normal and they can play yeah. um, this part of being a completely normal person when in fact they're like pure fucking evil. That's terrifying. Yep. That's terrifying. Because yep. at least like, you know, the creepy terrifying. weirdos you know they're creepy fucking weirdos. Yeah. Yeah. And anyway, once they get this information so this has been dragged out for months by the time they get this, I think it's almost like a year later that they finally yeah. get Monique to crack. What? French so she was finally slow. cracks. No. Yeah. No. <laughs> With all their paperwork. I bet they forgot their EDF bill. Oh yeah, you have to bring an electricity bill. We're not allowed to arrest you unless you have one. <laughs> Don't forget your car for towel. <laughs> Photocopy your passport three times. We need everything in triplicate. Yeah. And in colour, if it's not in colour, you can show it up your ass. <laughs> <laughs> and you can only bring it in on a Tuesday morning between 10 and 10.04. If you bring it in at 10.05, fuck you. Fuck off. <laughs> anyway, because of the rules at the time, you know that he was put in prison for rape and all these arrests for sexual assault, where it all been wiped. His what? record had been wiped because Why? of the time it had been. In 2003, when he was caught for this, it was ages after. Yeah, so they hadn't get any out, record it, of it? it nope. No record of it, because it had been over whatever, the how many years it was. 
That's and because, insanity. And I think I think it helped change the laws in France. Yeah. Oh, that's so, crazy. Anyway, it was it was Monique that admitted to the murders. She he said as soon as his wife admitted it, they went over to him and said, uh, "Your wife's admitted. Come on, spill." And he said, "Well, quote again, if my wife said I did it, then I have to respect that." Unquote. And that was, and apparently he just said it very non like no emotion. And he was just like, if my wife said I did it, then I did it. Oh. And then he started gradually revealing the details about the murders. Again, not showing any emotion whatsoever. And along with, uh, he, yeah, he um, was making a big show of, like, when he was showing the investigators where the bodies were buried. And uh, so the investigators were just, like, going along with it because finally giving these families some closure. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then... They, this is awful and creepy. They said, do you have any remorse for your victims? Do you feel for what you've done? And he said, again, a quote. And he said, are you joking? The family, the the families should be thanking me for what I did. Oh. Unquote. Oh, he's a monster. He's a monster. I had no idea. I couldn't, I couldn't find out where, what he meant by that. Like, or like, because he took them. They were still, like, pure. I don't know, with this whole purity thing that he's got in his head. Yeah. About women having to be pure. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, they were both um, sentenced to life in prison. And Monique would serve at least 26 years. and But he would be in, I think it was for life, without the possibility of parole. It, but in a lot of the articles, it said at least 26 years. So, But I think they were going to do it so that he definitely would never get out. And then in February 2018, he um, <laughs> confessed to killing <laughs> killing two more women on the 16th of November in 2018. He, convi- convi- he was convicted of murdering Farida Hamish, which was the woman that the, the the wife of the cellmate that he killed in the cemetery. Yeah, yeah. He com- he admitted to that, and then he also in two thousand in March twenty twenty he confessed to killing Estelle Mouzin, which uh, who had been missing from the Guermont area since two thousand and three. So he killed her just before he tried to kidnap the last girl who escaped. So in two thousand and eighteen, he admitted to killing Farida, which was uh, his cellmate's wife that he killed in the cemetery, and that he killed Estelle Mouzin, who had been missing one of the biggest cold cases in that area of France. Yeah, yeah. She just disappeared. It was uh, his wife again that said that he had kidnapped, raped, and killed her again, uh, This uh, the schoolgirl, which um, that was in 2003 that she went missing, and in 2018 is when he, had, you know, that it was admitted, admitted that to it was it. definitely him. Yes, so they start to suffer for all that time. He could have admitted to it in two thousand and three, two thousand and four, when when he'd been like convicted of the other ones. So he just so, left them, let them to stew. He just like left it, and they she, she did as well. Like left them to suffer for all them. Well, not like they wouldn't suffer, but they had no closure. Yeah, yeah. And oh. yeah, so that's all that he admitted to. And then the good thing about it is he died on Monday of this week. So he is Oh, dead. he died on Monday? Yeah. Monday of this week. I was like, yes. 
and I'd started yes. getting everything together and I was like, he died. I was like, started doing all my notes and then he just died. No, it was yes, meant to be. Fuck. It was meant to be. I would have actually meant hated, I would have actually hated for him to be alive. I would have been like, oh. Yeah, and he like died of um, respiratory he died of respiratory problems, so it could have been even been like COVID that actually did a good one for us and got rid of him. Oh, <laughs> fuck for that. How bizarre that you start researching the story and he dies. I know. Well, when we first started talking about the podcast a few weeks ago, I was like, oh, yeah, I think he's a good he's a good first one. So yeah, I wanted yeah. one that I could kind of easily get information while I'm still getting used to actually doing research. Yeah. But, yeah, and that is the story of the ogre of the Ardennes, Michel Fonnery. Yeah, what a twat! What yeah. absolute piece he of shit! Is awful. Yeah, awful and man. Uh, she, uh, her as well. And her, yeah. Apparently, yeah, she was like willing in it all, and apparently, when he went and did his murders without her, he'd bring her back presents like the school bag of the girls oh. and she'd go open it like it was a present and she'd look at go smell it look at look all through it so she, even when she wasn't there she was completely aware and completely in a happy to do she it knew, all she knew what there. he was up to did she she got sent to prison yeah, she's getting a, yeah yes is she's she still alive in prison. he's died but she's still in prison yeah she's still alive what? and he's in prison but he's dead as of God. Monday what are the odds that two seriously fucked up people find themselves, you know, and end up together? I don't know. It's just bizarre. I think it just shows them people, women or men, that write to people in prison just shows how weird they are. <laughs> I, why would you see a guy and be like, oh, he's killed a lot of, raped a lot of women. Oh, I'll go and send him a letter. I'll go yeah. see if he wants to chat. He'll be a good pen pal. Mm. Oh, man. Another weird. It creeped wow. me out so much. Oh, hey, that was our first one. Yeah. Yeah. First one. Drank all my grey. Drank all my wine. <laughs> Did you enjoy it? Was, <laughs> it, it, was it a good grey? It was, it was, it was, it was all right for box wine. I'll try and save some calories for next mm. week and uh, have, have a beer. So are we going to yeah. do another one next Friday? Yeah. We can definitely try. You thought Thanks. of our sign-off. <laughs> I, I, no. I think um, we're just going to have to come up with one at a later date. Okay. And just yeah. say okay. thanks for listening and hope you enjoyed it. And... All right. right. Right, well, it was lovely speaking to you as well. So It was. Yes. It was fun. Until next time. Until next time. Yeah. Bye. Be careful.